0: hey guys i'm monica crowley and this is the monica crowley podcast thanks so much for being here on this friday wow we've survived yet another week in biden's america this is your go-to for hot liberty a safe space for all of us thought criminals independent thinkers And happy warriors. Social media on Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and true social, I am at Monica Crowley. So follow me there for all the fun. Also via email, I am at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. I love hearing from you guys. Okay. So next week, a big week of shows coming up. We're going to have a blockbuster interview with Dr. Robert Malone, the co-inventor of the mRNA technology used in the COVID shots. He is a brilliant guy who has raised very serious issues about the safety and efficacy of these shots. Malone has been silenced and suspended all over the place. Musk just restored him back on Twitter, and his voice and the importance of his voice are more necessary than ever. We're getting all kinds of new data coming in about excess deaths since the debut of these shots in the, what, early spring of 2021. We're getting all kinds of data on heart issues, cardiac events, myocarditis, pericarditis, fertility issues, you name it. All stuff that they buried for a long time to channel everybody into these shots, right? His voice is so important in this conversation because he helped to invent the technology. And we're going to ask him, has the technology been hijacked? So he's going to join us for a very extensive interview next week. Not to be missed. Tell all of your friends, all of your family. Everybody should be listening to this show every day. But uh, certainly, this Robert Malone interview is going to be a critical, critical piece. We're going to spend a good deal of time with him. We're going to unpack a lot of stuff. So make sure that you're listening next week and you tell everybody you know. Also, we're going to have some amazing holiday conversations next week, too. Big stuff, fun stuff. Okay, so no FOMO, no fear of missing out. Get on board with the Monica Crowley podcast. Okay, today I want to deal with uh, the absolute catastrophe at the border. The invasion that we have seen over the last two years is about to get a lot worse. Also today we're going to talk with the Attorney General of West Virginia, Patrick Morrissey, about the massive flood of fentanyl and other drugs pouring into this country from across the wide open border and what he and other red states are doing about it. Very important conversation because, you know, we've got another two years, God help us, of the Biden administration. So it is going to rest with these red state governors to push back on a whole array of issues. Um, including the wide open border, the flood of illegals and fentanyl, et cetera, coming in the country. And governors like Christy Nome pushing back on TikTok and the CCP. Also, governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida pushing back on the CDC and the NIH and Fauci and all of their lies throughout the pandemic, as well as big pharma. So you're going to see a pretty remarkable states' rights march over the next couple of years here while the Bidens uh, still hang on, and that's where all of the offensive maneuvers are going to happen. So the Attorney General of West Virginia, Patrick Morrissey, is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes, okay? But first, the Monica memo. Last night, Elon Musk took a measure on Twitter. And he was very clear about what he was doing. The rule is on Twitter that you cannot dox anyone. What do we mean by doxing? Doxing is the release of private information on a public platform like Twitter. Social security numbers, private home addresses, private telephone numbers, private email addresses, all of that info is banned. You cannot post that on social media platforms or at least on Twitter without earning yourself a suspension. So Elon Musk has said from the very beginning that all of the Twitter terms of service, all of the rules apply to everyone equally. Well, the ruling class, and in particular, that particularly obnoxious subset of the ruling class, the propaganda press, they have been treated as a protected class and a privileged class for so long that they're not used to being lumped in with the general public. We first saw them screaming and yelling when Musk made it clear that he was going to start charging for blue checks for the verified blue check mark, eight bucks a month. Well, the propaganda press ruling class subset went absolutely bananas. What do you mean? I earn this blue check mark by being special. I'm so indispensable to society and the functioning of democracy that I really, I've earned this blue check mark. What are you doing taking it away? Or uh, gasp, being a capitalist and charging me for your service. What are you doing? Their heads blew apart, right? So that was the first indication that they were not going to be uh, taking it very well, that they're not going to be treated as something special on the Twitter platform under Elon Musk. By the way, so many of them had direct lines into the content moderation team at Twitter. Taylor Lorenz, who is a quote unquote reporter at the Washington Post and highly mentally unstable, the fact she's still there working for one of the nation's premier news organizations is mind blowing, but that tells you where they're coming from. Taylor Lorenz, over the last like day or so, admitted publicly. That the person that she used to call up and ask for all kinds of content moderation, suspend this one, remove that tweet, was fired by Musk. Oh, poor baby. Now she no longer has her in at Twitter to really stick it to you and me. How many of these so-called reporters who are actually uh, Marxist revolutionaries, how many of them lost their contacts in these places, particularly in Twitter? Elon Musk basically cleaned house. He fired, what, 80% of them? And the site is working better than ever. So that tells you what was going on there. These quote-unquote reporters, these propagandists, lost their in at Twitter. And so now they're like flying blind like the rest of us. So that's the number two tell. And then the number three tell in terms of them blowing a gasket over the fact that they are not being treated as a special class, is their reaction to what Elon Musk did last night. So Musk and Twitter have a term of service about doxing. You cannot put private information about anybody in real-time, continuous real-time location data or private information. You cannot put that on Twitter. If you do, you will be suspended. He was very clear about that. So there is an account called Elon Jet, and it's run basically by a teenager who tracks Elon's private jet, where it's going around the country, where it's going around the world. And he has been posting Elon's location in real time. Now, what have I been saying to you? Pray for Elon Musk's protection. Because he is single-handedly taking on the entire regime, and therefore that makes him public enemy number one, to the deep state, permanent bureaucracy, and propaganda press. His life and the lives of his family members are under direct threat. Okay? He openly tweets about this, assassination coordinates and so on. So he knows that he is a target. And so as part of the safety measures of Twitter, he has uh, suspended the Elon Jet account um, and said, look... I will restore you if you want to uh, put my whereabouts after the fact, after there's a delay of time, that's fine. But you will not put me or my family members or frankly, anybody who uses this platform in harm's way. I will not oversee that as long as I'm running Twitter. That's what he has put out perfectly reasonable as a safety measure. Of course. So you had a handful of journalists who were using like a third-party Mastodon or whatever it is um, to to post Musk's whereabouts, and then they were like transferring it onto Twitter. So Musk took swift action, according to the terms of service, and suspended these folks. Well, the people who were suspended, and again, this is not a permanent suspension like so many uh, conservatives have had to deal with, including President Trump, for years on end. This is a seven-day temporary suspension. But among those who were suspended included CNN correspondent Donnie O'Sullivan, New York Times tech reporter Ryan Mack, Washington Post reporter Drew Harwell, The Intercepts, Michael Lee, Mashables, Matt Binder, Keith Olbermann, former Vox journalist Aaron Rupar. So all of these lefties who had no problem when we were getting suspended and shadow banned all over the place for years on end, now we're blowing up. Okay, the entire left went into a nuclear meltdown last night because Musk took it upon himself to actually implement his own terms of service. The other Twitter regime never did that. They, they never actually implemented the terms of service unless it was against us. So today, Jack Posobiec, our friend, who's incredible, um, posted a tweet from the account Thomas Sowell Quotes, okay? And that is at Thomas Sowell, who's extraordinary. Um, and the quote is, when people get used to preferential treatment, equal treatment seems like discrimination, let me read that again because it's so profound and so true when people get used to preferential treatment equal treatment seems like discrimination so when musk comes out and says the rules will be applied equally to everybody the left erupts the horror the horror you might as well think that we're like you know lopping off their left arm But this is how they react because they have been so used to being a protected class. Meanwhile, they have spent years shouting about the importance of content moderation for democracy, right? So now, let's frame it this way. Which way is it? Okay? If you're on the left, you have a question to answer. Which is it? Is it content moderation is critical to safety and democracy? Or content moderation is an attack on the First Amendment, as you are screaming about now, now that the tables have turned on you. Hmm? Which one is it? Can't have both. But remember, of course, they've gotten away with both because they have been a protected class. The regime protects each other. The regime protects itself. So they're not used to this kind of equal application of the law, equal application of the rules. That's only for us. That's only for conservative and populist serfs. That's not for them. So the idea now that they have to play the game according to the rules and according to the rules that the rest of us play by, oh, they are absolutely horrified by this. And that tells you exactly who they are. Here's another really critical point. When it comes to conservatives, Republicans, populists, the left looks at us and tries to dismiss and discredit us by labeling us one of three things. We are either evil or crazy or stupid, right? So they will smear, like a Richard Nixon was evil, a Dick Cheney was evil, okay? Um, A Dan Quayle was stupid, uh, a Trump was crazy. So, this is how they, they wield the words and the characterizations to try to marginalize us and discredit everything we say and everything we do. So when it comes to Elon Musk, they're trying to do the same thing. Well, they know he's not stupid. He's the richest man or now second richest man in the world. It fluctuates day to day. So they know he's not stupid. So they can't go that tack. Um, they, they know they're, they're not quite at evil yet, but they will get there. So what they're trying to do now is he is crazy. Crazy Elon. He's nuts. And the, the stories today are, oh, he's doing it because he's on Ambien. He's not sleeping. He's lost his mind. No, he's very rational. Absolutely. And the guy's trying to put people on Mars, um, creating a whole new class of transportation with electric vehicles and fighting for free speech. I mean, I, you know, if any one of these losers could do even a fraction of this, it would be a miracle, but they can't. So this is what they're going to do. Can't call him stupid, so now he's crazy, and eventually he will be evil. I mean, they've already started with that anyway, right? So this is how they're going. This is the track they're going down with him. So this is where we are right now. The struggle for free speech is joined, and they don't like it. They don't like it one bit, so they're going to do everything they can to, to fight back. The empire always strikes back. This is where we are right now, so we need all hands on deck. All right. When we come back, I want to hit the border because this is an absolute catastrophe, which is about to get worse. Um, And a little bit later, we're going to be joined by the AG of West Virginia, um, who's going to talk to us about not just the impact of the open border on his state, but on the entire country and what these red states are doing. We will be right back. Okay, everybody, listen up. All right, welcome back. I want to turn now to the historic catastrophe on our southern border. This has been ongoing now for two years uh, since Biden became president. And what you need to know as we talk about all of this is two major things. When people say, well, he doesn't know what's going on on the border, of course he knows. This applies to everything that we talk about with regard to Biden and his White House. All of this is intentional. It is all by design. None of it is incompetence. None of it is an accident. It's all happening for a reason. And it is deliberate policy on the border to accomplish two things. And I want you to remember this always as we go forward. The purpose of the wide open border is twofold. One, is to flood the zone with illegals in order to change the demographics of this country. The left wants all of these illegals on a path to citizenship in order to lock in a permanent Democrat voting majority. That way you will never get a Republican president ever again, And you might never get a Republican Congress ever again. The Republicans will be in a permanent minority status, period. You will be a one-party state, which is communism. This is the objective. These are communists. They're Marxist revolutionaries. This is what is actually going on, all right? So that's uh, the immediate and urgent reason for why the border is wide open. There is another one. And this is a much bigger one that's part of a much bigger narrative. The Biden administration is keeping the southern border open and the northern border is totally porous as well. But they're doing it in order to erase the U.S. border. This is part of the Great Reset. One world government in order to get the transnational organizations of the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, and the others to achieve their goal of that one world government with them in control, they need to destroy national sovereignty and they need to erase all borders. This is why they love the EU, no borders within Europe, okay? This is why they fought Brexit so fiercely, And this is why they support the wide open southern border with people from all across the world just pouring into this country. They need to erase all borders. In order to establish that one world government, they need to eliminate the borders in the world. That's what this wide open border is really all about. So it's a twofold objective. And this is why it, they haven't changed it. They haven't stepped up to close the border in any way or change the policy because of these two reasons. So whenever you hear discussion about the border or see those images, understand that those two reasons are the reasons why. So as we go through this, just keep all of that in mind. Keep, always keep the big framing in mind. Right now, there's an absolute deluge at the border. When asked about the Biden administration's dereliction of duty at the border, Corinne Jean-Pierre said this. On day one, the President put forth a comprehensive uh, reform plan that dealt with protecting uh, for dream- protecting for dreamers, cutting down uh, the asylum uh, the asylum uh, buildup that we've been seeing, uh, especially because of what, what the last administration did. And they completely gutted the system. What we have been able to do is the President, as I've mentioned before, has secured uh, historic funding. We have 23,000 uh, border security agents at the border, and that is the most am- amount that we've ever had And that's because of what the president has been able to do. Uh, And we have worked to uh, launch a historic anti-smuggling operations that are uh, taking thousands of smugglers off the streets. Absolutely disgraceful that the president's spokesperson, who's actually speaking on behalf of the entire United States government, um, would just dismiss and lie like this. They're all professional liars. The El Paso sector has seen at least 140,000 illegal encounters just since October 1st. That's a 255% increase over the same time last year. This is completely outrageous and unsustainable. But it's going to get worse. The use of Title 42 ends next Wednesday, December 21st. What does that mean? Well, Title 42 is part of U.S. law that allows the United States to expel illegals at the border due to public health reasons. So the Trump administration did this during the pandemic as a way to get people out back out of the country. The end of this could mean more than six million illegal immigrants crossing the border in the next year, according to one expert. The use of Title 42, um, which again was started under Trump during COVID, has been very effective and has been used to turn away over 2 million illegals. So while the Biden team is out there lecturing everybody to take their 10th vaccine booster, they've officially said that the public health crisis is over and they push for an end to Title 42. That was initially blocked in court, but last month a judge ruled it must end. So if you're looking for the judicial branch to save us, forget it, because that's corrupted too. All of Biden's allies in the ACLU cheered, Woo! Title 42 was a misuse of the public health laws from the beginning and has caused great harm to tens of thousands of desperate asylum seekers, they said. Well, the end of Title 42 is why all of these illegals are surging to the border. They know it's going to be close to impossible to be turned away. And that's why they're all lining up. DHS is projecting up to 15,000 illegal crossings daily after next Wednesday, December 21st. Yuma County, Arizona is already preparing by declaring an emergency. The county said, quote, more than 300,000 apprehensions have been made by Yuma sector agents in fiscal year 2022. The number of asylum seekers is expected to increase sharply with the expiration of Title 42 on Wednesday, December 21. Even Democrats are now acknowledging this is uh, shaping up to be a disaster. Here's Governor Hairdew in California.
1: The fact is what we've got right now is not working and is about to break in a post 42 world unless we take some responsibility and ownership. And I'm saying that as a Democrat. I'm not saying that to point fingers. I'm saying that as a father. I'm saying that as someone that feels responsible for being part of the solution. And I'm trying to do my best here.
0: Well, you know, it's bad when Governor hairdo weighs in. Immigration expert and journalist Todd Bensman is describing it like a hurricane. Quote, still this pandemonium of seven to 9,000 illegal crossers caught every single day, 200,000 plus every single month for two years straight, is just a Category 3 hurricane on the mass migration scale. A Category 5 hurricane is barreling down on the United States with the scheduled December 21 lifting of Title 42, the one last real impediment to a next-level crisis far beyond not just the American experience, but that of every nation in the developed world, ever. Possibly the largest illegal group in history, more than 1,000 people from Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, waded across a river into El Paso, Texas on Sunday night. So, I mean, you just, in a couple of hours, you got 1,000 people coming across. Okay, so today's historic crushing border collapsing 200,000 people a month will spike to about 340,000 a month or potentially 4.3 million people a year if that level is sustained. And that's at the lower end of the scale, okay? People are estimating even more than that. The number of crossings could reach as high as 18,000 a day. Well, over half a million a month, 6.4 million a year. That would equal nearly 50% of the total known illegal population in America today. And all of this is just a wild guess because we have no idea how many illegals are here. You've heard that 11 million number for years now. It's not 11 million. We have no idea. Is it 20, 25, 40, 50 million? Who knows? This is an absolute disaster. The Biden administration is doing nothing to help because of those two reasons that I told you at the top of this segment. And in fact, they're going after Arizona for trying to secure the border. The feds sued Arizona yesterday for putting up shipping containers on the border to make a makeshift wall. The Fed sued Arizona on Wednesday this week for putting up shipping containers on the border to make a makeshift wall. Here's the AP, quote, the U.S. government sued Arizona's Governor Doug Ducey and the state Wednesday over the placement of shipping containers as a barrier on the border with Mexico, saying it is trespassing on federal lands. And, you know, our friend Carrie Lake is challenging this election, but if the regime gets its way and you get Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs in there, well, she opposes any construction on the wall. Let them all in, flood the state, flood the country, again, for those two reasons, permanent Democrat voting majority and Great Reset, all about erasing the world's borders. It's trespassing, apparently, on federal lands to try to stop people from trespassing on federal lands. Get it? Meanwhile, massive numbers of Cubans keep coming. Uh, I mentioned that uh, 1,000 group, which had a lot of Cubans. More than 220,000 Cuban citizens, or 2% of Cuba's entire population, were encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border in the fiscal year 2022. 98% 98% of these Cubans were released into the interior of our country. The flow keeps coming, and not just by land, guys. Last week, 79 Cuban migrants were caught coming to Florida by boat in just one day. And, of course, it's not just people coming across. Last weekend alone, at just two border crossings, customs officials seized 153 pounds of hard narcotics, that's methamphetamine, cocaine, fentanyl, and heroin. And, of course, these drugs are leading to record overdoses. About 100,000 Americans killed now every year just by fentanyl alone. Listen to this. According to the Washington Times, a man with, and this was just last week, a man with alleged ties to the Sinaloa cartel was arrested, and almost 45 pounds of a fentanyl and cocaine mixture were seized by federal authorities during an operation in a Denver suburb. The DEA said that Alberto Reyes Carrillo was arrested last week with the help of Homeland Security Investigations and the Longmont Police. There are about 226,000 lethal doses in every pound of fentanyl. Two milligrams is enough to kill someone. These sorts of arrests are happening every single week. Most of the poison coming across the border isn't getting caught. It is flowing into this country. So when are we going to start treating the drug cartels like al-Qaeda or ISIS? They kill more Americans than the jihadists could ever dream of, and that's the point. All roads lead back to the CCP as well. It isn't just the cartels as deadly and, and horrendous as they are. They are terrorist organizations, and we should be droning them and killing them every day but they wouldn't have the precursor ingredients to create fentanyl and these other drugs without the CCP. The CCP is the origin point for the flow of drugs into this country. And it's a very effective way to kill us and our children and destroy our country. Absolutely unbelievable what is going on here. And with the lifting of Title 42, it's about to get a lot worse, a lot worse. So don't listen to what some of these Dems like Governor Herdu is telling you. This is all for a much bigger purpose. Flood the country, change the demographics of the country, create a one-party country, and then great reset with a one-world government where all borders are erased. When we come back, we're going to talk to West Virginia's Attorney General, who's doing really, really important work on the drug flow and the flow of illegals into his state. And it's really a model for red states going forward because that's where the battle is going to be. But before we do, I want to take a moment to welcome a brand new and fantastic sponsor, Worthy. There's a new easy way to get money for that diamond jewelry that you are not wearing. It's called Worthy. Worthy is a platform that can get you up to two or three times as much money as a pawn shop or local jewelry shop will offer with absolutely zero risk. Worthy puts your jewelry in front of a worldwide network of professional buyers, people who will bid against each other for your diamond. And Worthy makes it so easy. Free shipping, free insurance coverage, free professional grading and evaluation, and you are in control from start to finish. If your price isn't met, you don't have to sell, and you will get it back no charge. And now for a limited time, you'll get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over 1500 all you have to do is register at Worthy.com slash Monica. That's Worthy.com slash Monica. Get more for your diamond jewelry at Worthy.com slash Monica. Worthy, a better way to cash in on that hidden asset in your jewelry box. We'll be right back. Joining us now is Patrick Morrissey. Patrick is the Attorney General for the great state of West Virginia, who has been dealing with all of the problems stemming from the wide open border, all of the crimes and, and the flood of drugs and illegal aliens into this country. He joins us now. Attorney General, welcome.
1: Monica, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much. It it sounds like you... Uh... You have your plate full. There's an awful lot going on. So it's terrific to be with you today.
0: Oh, well, Attorney General, we so appreciate your time. And thank you for those nice words. And we also appreciate the great work that you're doing in West Virginia, because I know your state among many, but your state is really bearing a brunt of the the consequences of Biden's wide open border, which is going to get worse, I suspect before it gets better. So let's talk about uh, some of the things that your state is grappling with, uh, with regard to the border. And I want to start with the absolute flood of deadly fentanyl that is killing well over 100,000 Americans a year now. How is it affecting your state? What are you saying?
1: Well, Monica, this is such an important issue, and I'm so glad you're focusing attention on it because this is probably one of the biggest travesties that our country has seen in many years because this issue shouldn't be partisan. But the Biden border disorder is so out of control that not only are we seeing streams of people crossing the border every day and having undocumented aliens in place, but human trafficking continues to rise. And in West Virginia, we really feel the impact of the border crisis through the volume of fentanyl coming in. And we're having people dying at such an alarming rate. West Virginia is the number one state in the country for drug overdoses, and fentanyl is driving all of that. And so I've been trying to draw attention to this terrible, this preventable problem, because this administration has been a disaster not only in terms of lack of fentanyl prosecutions, not only in terms of having no policy whatsoever at the border to focus on anti-drug trafficking, but they're not working with their secretary of state and their other cabinet officials to push back on the Mexican drug cartels that are manufacturing this product and, of course, the Chinese, who are the raw ingredient for so much of the fentanyl. So I've been trying to draw attention to it even just last week, We got together with eight families, folks in West Virginia who lost sons and daughters to fentanyl. These are people that had no idea they were taking fentanyl. And once you take one pill, it kills. It's deadly. We need to draw more attention to it. And we obviously need a strategy from the feds to deal with it. Nothing's been coming. I know I've been working with other states to pull up the slack, but we're going to need a lot more help in order to avoid this. Terribly senseless death.
0: What kind of death rate from fentanyl are you seeing in West Virginia?
1: Well, we had over um, 1,100 fentanyl, I mean, 1,100 overdose deaths in West Virginia. And what we saw is that the entirety of the increase from the previous year we know was due to that. So I would say that a significant percentage of our deaths right now are due to fentanyl and other illicit products. And those numbers have been going through the roof in recent years. Monica, as you might imagine, uh, West Virginia had a terrible problem with respect to the legal pain pills, and there were so many people that got addicted over a period of time. And then with those people, when they were addicted, uh, as that as folks started to clamp down on the legal pain pills, they looked for alternatives, heroin and meth and Fentanyl. Now, fentanyl is incredibly potent, but it had become available in the marketplace, and that's part of the reason why people move to it so aggressively and the death rates have soared from it.
0: You know, there's only so much that you can do in West Virginia, um, and there's only so much each state can do because the federal government now has endorsed a wide open border. So are are there actions that you are taking as the Attorney General of West Virginia to try to stem the flood? Is there anything you can do at the border of your state? I mean, all, all the states are incredibly porous, obviously, but are there any actions that you can take to try to to prevent the number of drugs coming in?
1: Yeah, there, there are a couple things. First of all, uh, we're trying to increase the number of prosecutions, not only locally, uh, but we're trying to work with our U.S. attorneys to do that. I think the real problem has been in Maine Justice and Merrick Garland, who is not focused on this issue. So that's number one. Second, uh, you can partner with other states in terms of your broader investigations, not only in terms of the raw Fentanyl coming in, but policy solutions that make a difference. So, Monica, we've been able to get together with a lot of states, including with Florida, Ashley Moody, to try to classify fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction in order to ensure that it's getting the proper resources and attention it deserves. I mean, look, a lot of people know fentanyl is the highest killer of individuals between the ages of 18 and 46, and that means that it deserves a lot more attention. Uh, The other thing that we can do is we can draw a lot of attention on this issue so that nationally, half the country that doesn't seem to uh, know or appreciate that there's a border crisis knows about it, and then we can take additional steps uh, to deal with it. But we're doing everything we can to shine a spotlight on it, increase the prosecutions, classify it the right way, and then, of course, also train uh, focus on the cabinet officials' like Mayorkas and Blinken and Garland that are not doing their jobs. And hopefully we'll get some uh, House of Representatives oversight over the course of the upcoming months.
0: What does the Biden administration tell you, if anything? Are they even in communication with you guys?
1: You know, no. I mean, the, the quick answer is that they avoid serious conversations with us, which, by the way, is outrageous on every level. Can you think of this? I mean, During the Trump administration, we were able to work closely with uh, the feds on a wide variety of issues. And even during Obama, there could be some communications back and forth. This happened between Republican and Democrat AGs under both of those administrations. But under Biden, they don't even want to talk to you. They don't want to let you speak directly to the principals and coordinate. So that's the problem. I mean, they're in this ivory tower. They have a policy. They want all these undocumented aliens to come through, damn the torpedoes, and they don't really care at all as people are dying, getting slaughtered. And that's what's most outrageous about what's going on, that everyone sees it in plain view, and it's one of the most outrageous behaviors of this administration.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it is just completely evil what uh, the Biden team is allowing to to happen with the border and the flood of illegals and drugs. We are talking to the Attorney General of the great state of West Virginia, Patrick Morrissey. Let's turn our attention to this human tide of illegals. What is the situation in West Virginia? We just spoke about the drugs, but now we have all of these human beings, um, well over 2 million, possibly 5 million, that have come in just in the last Two years under President Biden. How is this affecting West Virginia?
1: You know, it's interesting. We've still seen the bulk of the impact through the drugs that are flooding in. Uh, but we do know that there are people that are still uh, coming into West Virginia, and there are safe houses uh, that are being bought. There are financial networks uh, that are being established. But, you know, in terms of the undocumented aliens, that's been less of an impact. It's been more on the on the drug front and uh one of the things once again we're working to do is to put more resources on the ground from a law enforcement perspective uh to push back but i would say that we like to support texas and arizona and all the border states but what we say is we feel the impact of the border through drugs and to a lesser degree human trafficking
0: you know you may you may get a real gut punch though starting next week uh, because they're going to lift title forty two and there are uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who are massing on the border, getting ready to come in the country once Title 42 is lifted uh, in about eight days. So this is going to be quite an impact, I think, for West Virginia and the rest of the country. And this is also, a g, a a terrible strain on your resources from hospitals to education to law enforcement, right?
1: Well, it, it is. And one of the things that I think we need to do is take a page out of What we saw Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis did, they actually shipped a lot of these people off to different parts of the country that didn't seem to appreciate that there's a border crisis. So uh, whether you're sending people to Martha's Vineyard or Chicago or New York, I think it's critical that the entire country is educated about what's going on because half the media markets in the country don't seem to want to pay attention to this. So I'm an advocate here in West Virginia as we start to see that. Let's use some of our resources and let other states experience the same thing that we're experiencing with respect to the border problem. Yeah,
0: I know. West Virginia has really taken it on the chin. You guys have really borne the brunt of the fentanyl crisis and, and the, the drug crisis writ large and it's really unfortunate. It is a crime against humanity, what is being allowed to occur to America. This is an invasion. This is a uh, drug invasion as well as a human invasion, killing off the the American people. It is just absolutely criminal what is happening, and so we want to thank you for standing up. You do have a certain senator from West Virginia who is a Democrat who bellyaches all the time about his party's profligate spending, but he sticks with his Party every single time, his name is Joe Manchin. He's yep. up for reelection in two years. He just said in the last 24 hours that he's not considering switching parties or leaving the Democrats the way his colleague Kristen Cinema of Arizona just did, but he said, "Who knows what the future holds?" So he's sort of holding out the possibility he could become an independent or maybe even a Republican. Who knows when it comes to Joe Manchin? Are you considering running for the Republican nomination to challenge him in 2024?
1: Monica, I am seriously looking at that. And as many people listening may recall, we lost one of the closest U.S. Senate races in the country back in 2018 during a very hard year for Republicans and we are ready to rumble on so many fronts because over the last number of years, if people look and say, look, who's been able to get the most done within the states in terms of taking on federal overreach and helping her state out and, and re- help her reach her potential? They're going to look and, and see no further than, hey, the West Virginia AG, we won West Virginia VEPA. Few people have heard of that big case. Nine years in the works. We won the Waters United States rule, working with a large coalition of people. We sued the DEA and forced them to rewrite the national drug quota system. We've been part of a key team going after these terrible vaccine mandates. And I could go on and on. We've defended successfully the broadest school choice law in the country. What that tells you is that there is a way to lead on conservative principles and help your state advance, as opposed to what we're seeing Senator Manchin doing. Because if he's complaining about federal spending, well, he's been part of the problem. If you look at that Inflation Reduction Act, that law is not going to reduce uh, spending. What it's really doing, it's one of these pork barrel bills. It's feeding projects to the left. But even beyond that. Uh, They have these gimmicky policies that spend money for three years, then they technically go away. But everyone knows these programs are going to continue. So, look, we've been deeply disappointed with Senator Manchin in West Virginia. We were rooting him on when it came to trying to oppose some of the uh, stuff of the uh, Biden administration. But uh, when he capitulated on that Inflation Reduction Act, I think he lost a lot of support in our state.
0: Yes. And West Virginia is still a deep red state. So the idea that Joe Manchin, you know, who sometimes talks a good game, but it's all about squeezing concessions out of his leadership, Chuck Schumer and elsewhere. And in the end, he always falls into line. So uh, Joe Manchin is a disgrace, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think you have a gubernatorial race coming up in 24 as well. Could you consider running for governor? As well as Senator? we
1: are. So I'm looking at that because at the end of the day, I want to make sure I make the right decision for our state. I think that uh, fortunately, when you have a really strong record and we've been able to uh, develop the infrastructure, I think we're in the strongest position of any Republican in West Virginia. So I am looking at both of those options and considering it at the, uh, the end of the line. You want to make sure that you're making the right choice. Uh, For your citizens, and it's going to be the right fit. And a lot of people tried to jump in immediately, but quite frankly, uh, we're trying to make sure that we continue to do really incredible things for our state. Uh, Our lawsuits against Biden and federal overreach, that doesn't stop. I mean, we only have the House right now. There's still a need to block a lot of the federal overreach. So, yes, we'll be making an announcement, whether it's the first or second quarter of next year. But in the meantime, we're not slowing down. We're going to keep hitting the Biden administration. And more importantly, we're going to keep leading and winning as much as we possibly can.
0: Good, because we need the red states standing up to this uh, outlaw of an administration. And there have been red state governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida, Kristi Noem in South Dakota who have done exactly that whether it was through COVID with the lockdowns and school closures where they have done the exact opposite of what the blue states and the administration were dictating to them Um, or economically or like Kristi Noem has just led the way in terms of banning TikTok for state officials on their phones. There are a lot of things that the red states can do to lead the way to 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 block some of this or at least mitigate some of this uh, absolute catastrophe coming out of Washington. And if you are in um, statewide office, as I know you are now as AG in West Virginia, but if you were to be elected U.S. senator or governor, you would take the lead on this stuff as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think that there really uh, is an important role to be played for the red states, not just having isolated governors, One of the things that I would do, and I want to do regardless of what position we run for, is that we want to bring more red states together to form compacts and actually be better organized between the AGs and the governors so that the entirety of the executive branch can bring its resources to bear and push back against the feds. Because this woke left approach whether you're talking about the ESG rules, whether you're talking about the Green New Deal, whether you're talking about fentanyl, um, this has to change. And one of the best ways to do that is to get a lot of the red states together and say, look, we're stronger as a unit. We can investigate. We can sue. We can enact policies that can be better for our people. And folks will know that red state America is free America where the Constitution reigns supreme.
0: Yes, and as a result of what you're doing there and other red state governors, we are in the middle of this great sorting. Where blue states are becoming bluer and red states are becoming redder because people are going to where their values and the, the and and their values align, and in terms of folks on our side, where the Constitution is respected. So we really appreciate you, um, Attorney General. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much for joining us here today and for all of your hard work on behalf of your state and on behalf of the country.
1: Hey, Monica. Thanks so much for having me on. We're going to keep pushing and. If folks want to check us out, they can go to TeamMorrissey.com, two R's, one S, and um, I appreciate it. We're not done yet, and when we come in 24, get ready.
0: Well, thank you so much for doing what you're doing, and God bless. West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Uh, He is phenomenal. Go give him a follow. Okay, guys, when we come back, your emails. But first, listen up. It's time to make your health great again as we get closer to the new year. For anyone looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism and in the holidays with cookies and cakes and everything else, who isn't, Um, boost their energy and transform how they look and feel, they've got to start by taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. And yet, after decades of wear and tear, our livers begin to slow down and become sluggish. This is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there's a simple, all-natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boost your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science and approved by American doctors. And every bottle is manufactured right here in the USA. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try liver health formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to the special nano delivery system you're also getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity regardless of age so go to getliverhelp.com/monica or call toll free 800-282 one seven five seven to claim your risk free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's get slash monica or call eight hundred two eight two one seven five seven. You're covered by their three hundred and sixty five day money back guarantee so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited So head on over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free 800-282-1757 now to order liver health formula and get your free five bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. We're coming right back. Okay guys, time now for the Friday email bag. Don't forget to shoot me an email to podcast at gmail.com. Again that's podcast at gmail.com Carter writes in about our chat with Lee Zeldon and the future of the Republican Party. On Wednesday this week we spoke with the great Harmeet Dillon who is challenging Ronna McDaniel for the RNC chair position. So if you haven't heard that interview, please go back and listen to it it was just terrific and we're all pulling for her meat there because we absolutely need a change carter writes this monica great interview of lee zeldin a couple of takeaways number one lee is right ronna mcdaniel should not run for office again I know she probably wants to leave on a bigger win, but she is probably forcing an extra term and forcing things in life rarely works out for everyone involved. She did help us win back the house, and I thank her for that. Rana can help out in other ways for the party. If our party believes in term limits, it should start at the RNC. Harmeet looks like a great pick for chairwoman. Yes, indeed, Carter. Number two. In regards to the levels of corruption in government and big corporations, conservatives need to do a better job of supporting each other in government and big business, and why not? Democrats do it. Maybe a type of network needs to be formed in government for conservatives. Every Republican presidential candidate should have a plan for taking over the government day one because they are walking into a hostile crowd. Why let the career D.C. government workers win? Exactly, Carter. This is such a critical point, guys, and Carter, you've absolutely hit on it. The government is a hostile enemy. I keep saying this on the show, that the number one threat that we face is the weaponization of our own government against us. Every Republican candidate for president must see this and not be in on it. They must recognize the nature of the threat and the extent of the threat and the depth of the corruption and rot. And they also must have a plan to smash it to smithereens. I know Donald Trump has a plan. He's discussed it uh, publicly. And when he came in the first time, I don't think he quite understood what How bad it really was. Uh, Steve Bannon got it about smashing the administrative state. He got it. They had a plan to do it. And of course, the Russia hoax, two fake impeachments, all of it, the constant barrage of attacks to stop Trump from doing it. Just the way they stopped Richard Nixon from doing this in what would have been his second term. The regime will always, always fight back. And so Trump got stymied the way Nixon got stymied, et cetera. But the next batch of Republican candidates need to see it clearly, understand it, and have a plan. Trump does have a plan for a second term if he, if he makes it, because he definitely learned his lesson the first time. If he were to win a second term, he has said that the swamp would truly be cleared out. DOJ, FBI, all of it, all of it needs to be raised to the ground. And Trump has also said that he'd uh, put back in place the executive rule that would allow him to fire vast swaths of the federal government. He put it in during his presidency. Biden removed it, I believe, on day one or day two, something like that. But Trump has said he would put it back and begin swinging the axe. The government is way too bloated with communists and psychopaths working from within to destroy the country, working at cross purposes against the president of the United States when that president is not aligned with them and their values and their agenda. Tucker Carlson yesterday did a brilliant monologue on the release of these new JFK assassination files, and he's putting it all together. And he and I did a long Tucker Carlson today around Labor Day on this issue. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's a really important conversation about... It, and he asked me about the JFK assassination, and I couldn't recall when he asked me whether or not President Nixon and I didn't really talk about it that much. Not that I can remember. I'll, I'll have to go back and look at my two books and see if I wrote about it, but not off the top of my head. Nixon and I didn't talk about JFK and the assassination all that much and in retrospect we should have because these are all deep state operations to remove inconvenient presidents and other leaders so he did this long monologue yesterday about evidence that the CIA is the one that actually had a hand along with others in taking out JFK And it's the same group of deep state operatives that removed Richard Nixon from power and would not allow him to have a second term. And it's the same group of operatives that are attacking Donald Trump and trying to destroy him. It's all of a piece. So Trump has said if he gets back in, this is what he is going to do, to try to remove those who are working from within the government to destroy the country. They all need to go and we need wholesale reform. But Donald Trump right now is the only one talking about this uh, because he basically has nothing to lose. He's been through the fire, um, and he continues to go through the fire. But I'm sure as we go along, other GOP candidates will have to talk about the dangers here and how they intend to fix it because if they don't, we're not going to be on board. The hour is very late here. And we all understand that the real power in this country is not in the White House or on Capitol Hill or at the Supreme Court. The real power is in the deep state, straight up. And anybody who confronts them, whether it's Donald Trump or Elon Musk, is attacked and smeared as evil, stupid, or crazy, or a combination of the above, as we talked about earlier in the show today. And the regime, as Chuck Schumer said, the intel community has a million ways to Sunday to get you. That's how dangerous a moment this is. That's why we need everybody focused. We need solid leadership at the top, whether it's the RNC or presidential candidates. We need strong leadership who understands this issue and is not in on the conspiracy. All right, that's going to do it for me for today. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. As always, have a fantastic weekend. Guys, it's the weekend before Christmas. Holy crud. I hope that you're out there and you're doing your shopping and you're cooking and baking and having a ball this weekend uh, with those that you love. We will see you right back here on Monday with a very extensive and important interview with Dr. Robert Malone. All next week, we're going to have really uh, big stuff coming up with really important conversations and a lot of fun, too, leading into Christmas. We will be here because saving the country does not take a vacation even for Christmas. So join us on Monday for a very extensive conversation with Dr. Robert Malone, the co-inventor of the mRNA uh, technology used in the shots. Probably one of the most important conversations you will ever hear. So tune in for that, and please tell all of your friends. In the meantime, have a great, safe, happy weekend, and I will see you right back here on Monday.